Welcome to Valley. It's so great to see so many wonderful faces. It's Christmas time. There's lights everywhere. Tis the season. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maddie. I think I know all of you out here. Um, Woohoo! <laughs> uh, but it's just so good to be with our church family and to be with all of you guys. So we are going through our Advent series. If you weren't here last week, uh, we started week one, Lausanne brought the word. Uh, This week we are heading into our second week of Advent, and Advent just means arrival, the anticipation of the arrival of Jesus. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I was most certainly anticipating uh, some snow this week. Was anyone else there with me? Did anyone see snow this week? Yes, some snow fell from the sky, some snow landed on the ground. Um, I turn into the biggest kid when it snows. I just do. I freak out at any chance that there is going to be snow, and I make the mistake of checking the hourly updates on my phone, like religiously. I am regularly refreshing it to see what percent is there that it's going to snow, and is it going to snow tonight? So, you know, I like look, and it says 100% chance of snow at 9 p.m. Okay, here we go. It's 7 p.m. I'm getting ready. Okay, it's almost, it's almost 8 p.m. It still says 100% chance of snow at 9 p.m. Uh, probably when the clock turns 9 p.m., I am immediately looking outside. No snow. Immediately disappointed because then I refresh my app and it now says uh, 30% chance of snow starting at 11 p.m. Okay, okay. So then I, I, take, a, I take a breather. Uh, maybe I even end up staying up until 11 and, you know, I refresh it. And look outside at 11 p.m., no snow. And now the app says there's a 20% chance of snow at 3 a.m. and at 4 a.m. And the rest of the night is just going to be cloudy. So then I still make the mistake of going to sleep, assuming I will wake up to a white winter wonderland. Um, But living in Salem, Oregon has taught me that is most definitely not what happens. Uh, So that is my version of anticipation when it comes to snow. Um, I kind of am am the same way when I was a kid at Christmas time. I would beg my parents on Christmas Eve if we could open every single one of our presents, or at least just one present, and there's something about Christmas time that I just really, really loved, just the anticipation of the holidays, the fun that comes with the holidays, the fun that comes with Christmas Day, even if it wasn't that I just wanted presents, it's just uh, the season, there's just this air in the season. Uh, But now as an adult, my anticipation does look a little different. Um, I get excited for when I have a day off of work. And uh, mostly on that day off of work, I get excited about sleeping in. But then I fear that my body will still wake me up at 6.30 a.m. And I don't actually get to sleep in, which is what happens. Um, But some other things that we might wait on now... You know, is that family member or that coworker or that boss who I've been praying for finally gonna come to faith in Jesus? Or is my child who's walked away from the Lord and from our family finally gonna be reconciled to us? So as I mentioned, Lazan last week in our first week of our Advent series walked us through the hope of Israel. And she did a great job. She blitzed through the whole Hebrew Bible and it was stellar. So if you missed it, be sure to catch it on our podcast. But she talked through what it looked like for Israel to wait on the Messiah and that promised anointed one. 
But this week, we're just going to focus a little more onto our own lives. What does it look like for us to wait now? We reflect on this time during Advent for a couple of reasons. We want to remember what that waiting felt like for Israel as they hoped that God would come through on his promise. But then we ourselves also find us in a time of waiting. There's still darkness in this world, right? In our own lives, we still need the hope of the manger. There's just tension, and we live in it. And I think, I don't even have to describe it. I think that you feel it. You know what I'm talking about. At the end of the year, there's just busyness. There's conflict with family members that you haven't seen all year and have somehow been able to avoid all year and are now faced with it at this time of the year. Or even just grief that comes around the holidays, remembering past, past losses, past holidays, some good things and just not some gaps, some not great things. So we're waiting for the relief still today. And we know that the relief comes with the birth of Jesus. And next week we're going to actually talk about the peace that comes with the presence of Jesus. But what do we do now while we wait? Let's even just use the month of December as kind of an analogy of we're on December 4th, but December 25th isn't here yet. There's still a month of this this waiting, this tension, this darkness. So what do we do in the right now? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. The birth of Jesus just holds that much more weight when we recognize the state of our hearts and the weariness of this world. So if you're feeling weary this holiday season, you're in good company. So I got to thinking about what really happens when we're waiting for something. And I kind of thought of these two examples, um, these two people. So example number one, let's say it's a friend. A friend says, hey, I'm going to help you with some yard work. I'll help you pick up the leaves. I'll help you pull up the um, weeds. I have the tools. I'll come over, and I'm just going to help you. We're going to bear this burden together. And you kind of go on a journey of emotions. First, you're like, great. I do not have the ability to take care of my yard, or I don't have the tools to do all of these things, and it's just gotten too much, and I just really need the help. Amazing. Thank you. You know, you're feeling that gratefulness. I could really use this help. And then maybe some time passes and you're starting to think, is this actually going to happen? Are they still going to show up? They haven't really said anything in a while and I'm starting to feel a little unsure. Should I bring it up? Has too much time passed now? And then you kind of start to think, "Mm, I don't think this is going to (laughs) happen. I I think they forgot. Maybe let's just forget it. And then there's that disappointment of they didn't do what they said they were going to do. And you got your hopes up and you were so ready for it. But then let's move to example two. Instead of just a friend promising some help with yard work, let's go to God promising, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you kind of go on a similar journey. You start with this comfort. I'm sure that promise came at a really great time of need. You're walking maybe in his promise. You're remembering how grateful you are for the Lord. And then life hits. (laughs) Maybe you learn some devastating news about a family member and you think, how could God let this happen? 
Or you find yourself alone on a Friday night, feeling lonely as ever. Anxiety creeps in and waves of sadness and sorrow just crash over you and you once again start to feel lonely. And you start to doubt, is he really there? Is he really listening? You continue living and yet you start to just let yourself affirm that fear. You know, we're being formed every day by something. Every single time you pick up your phone, you are being formed. There's people telling you how to think. There's ways that you, um, a tweet or an article or someone saying, this is wrong, this is right. How dare you think about this? You should be thinking like this. And we don't even realize it. We're just simply scrolling through Instagram, watching cute videos of dogs, and <laughs> subconsciously there's these messages being told, this is how to live your life. So we're constantly being formed, so then when these doubts start to creep up, you start to think, well, maybe God isn't who he said he is. Maybe he isn't good on his promise. Maybe what he really said isn't true. Did God really say that? And it's almost like we're, we've already heard these statements or these doubts before, and it's almost like they were whispered in the ear of Eve in the garden. So the difference between these two people, the friend promising the yard work, there's probably like a loss of trust, a loss of maybe closeness, there's an awkwardness, maybe you kind of feel like a burden for that friend, you're feeling disappointed. And maybe the person's just been brought down a couple notches. You're like, eh, I'm not really gonna trust that friend all that, all that much more anymore. Uh, example two, though, what really changed was our perception of God. We fear he isn't good on his promise, but is he? Has God actually changed? Perhaps my emotions and my fickle heart, my doubts from the enemy, led me to believe that God himself isn't actually that trustworthy. Isn't God the best person to wait on? Isn't he good on his promises? I'm so grateful that we can put our full trust in the immovable and very faithful God who we know is always going to be there. The issue here isn't God, but it's my response to God, how I feel about him. There is a quote from Rich Lotus. He's a pastor in New York, and he said, the good news about Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, we often aren't, but that God is faithful in his coming. God is coming, regardless of how big or how little our faith is, regardless of how we're responding in that moment of waiting. So if God is good on his promises as we wait, it's most often that we find ourselves, while we're waiting, we are waiting in darkness. We are not waiting in light. So when our waiting starts to feel like darkness, when that, when that hope turns a little bit to despair, we start to question, is, good, is God good on his promises? We need to remember that the light has come. So our passage for today, we're going to be looking at John 1. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. Starting in verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, 
And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Maybe this sounds familiar, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, let me just go ahead and remind you. We've talked before about uh, symphonies and melodies. This is an example of a melody that John is weaving in from Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The, earthless, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Then God said, let there be light, and God saw that the light was good. This theme we have here, in the beginning, Jesus was there. The word existed before creation as the triune God is speaking light into this dark world. Back to John's gospel in verses four and five. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend or overcome it. Where Jesus is, is life. So here we have light is associated with life, so it's safe to say that darkness is associated with death. So the very light, just think about this with me, if the very light that broke through the darkness at creation is now the same light that has come to this earth, that we can walk in the light and not in darkness. John's Gospel does continue to talk about how John the Baptist came as a witness to testify about the light. John's saying to the people, the light's coming. Prepare a way for the light. <laughs> and then picking up again in verse 9, John writes, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So John is telling us a little bit about this light. The light enlightens men. The light did come into this world, and the world was made through the light but the world did not know this light. The light came to his own people, and even his own people did not know this light. And as people received the light, the people were able to become children of God. Even people who are not born with the birthright or the correct birth lineage, or because they were told that they ought to, but for those who believed in the light, they became children of the light. Our melody continues, if the melody began in Genesis 1 and John echoed it in John 1, continues to his epistle, 1 John 1, which is our next passage. Again, he starts, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be complete. So John is saying, hey, guess what? We're gonna keep testifying about what, the, what this thing was from the very beginning. 
Everything we've heard, everything we've seen and touched concerning this word of life. Yeah, we're gonna keep talking about it. (laughs) We're gonna keep talking about how you can have fellowship with us just as we have fellowship with the Father. We're gonna keep talking about this message and the message is, picking up again in verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what do we we know about the light and the darkness? Well, we cannot walk with the Lord and walk in darkness. How could we be in darkness if the Lord is there? The Lord is light. Light beats darkness every single time. There's never a time that darkness wins over light. And walking in this light is having fellowship with one another and being cleansed from all of our sin. So we live in this post-Advent life. If we know that Advent is waiting for this arrival of Jesus, Israel walked in darkness, hoping, hoping that the Messiah would come. But the Messiah has come. We live in the, the Messiah has come, but we're still not freed from the presence of sin. So we now walk in the light already available to us. We can choose to walk in the light instead of walking in darkness. So I ask you, what are we doing walking in darkness? Are you walking in darkness right now? My challenge for you as we consider what this looks like is why do we time and time again choose to live in these moments of despair and lack of hope and lack of peace? If you need some hope tonight, let me give it to you. There is darkness in this world, but there is a light of the world, and his name is Jesus. Our world will do everything they can to bring you back into that darkness, into despair, promising you that the darkness is good. Sin always overpromises and underdelivers, every single time. The way of the world is not worth it. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus comes to give life, and life abundant. Maybe you need to hear that freedom is found in the light. Freedom from sin against the powers of the enemy. Sin runs rampant in the dark. It has all of the power in the dark, and all it needs to do is be brought into the light. And suddenly it seems quite powerless. So you may be feeling bound by the darkness of your sin, but you can step into the light right now and walk in freedom. It's literally that easy. We tend to convince ourselves that we don't have the ability to just walk into the light, that we have to punish ourselves, that we have to put ourselves through this journey of, I don't deserve the light. I've messed up too many times. There's no way I can just walk in the light. Um, But you can. That has been offered to us. And then finally, I think a good representation of walking in the light is remembering that God is a God of helping us again. So you may have walked with Jesus for a lifetime, 
known him for many years, you know a lot about him, but maybe you just think, times I feel like I'm just floating through this life. I know I love God, I know he loves me, but it just doesn't really feel like anything more than that. Don't really know what I need to do or what needs to change, but that's just how I feel. God will draw near to you again. Maybe you're blinded by your own sin, only recognizing the ways you've fallen short. You've tried to turn from your sin lots of times, but you just continue to find yourself bound by chains. God offers his abundant grace again. Maybe you think, well, my life is way too broken. <laughs> I, I know I need a savior, but my life was broken last time and the time before that, and I just don't know how I can keep crawling back to the throne of grace. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how, I, how I could possibly just ask the Lord for his help. God will rescue you again. In A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he describes how God is so very infinite and that the things of him do not run out. So he writes, the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ is as limitless as God. The Christian man possesses God's own life and shares his infinitude with him. In God, there is life enough for all and time to enjoy it. Whatever is possessed of natural life runs through its cycle from birth to death and ceases to be. But the life of God returns upon itself and ceases never. And this is life eternal, to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. The mercy of God is infinite too. And the man who has felt the grinding pain of inward guilt knows that this is more than academic. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Abounding sin is the terror of the world, but abounding grace is the hope of mankind. However sin may abound, it still has its limits, but it is the product of finite minds and hearts. But God's much more introduces us to infinitude. Again, our deep creature sickness stands God's infinite ability to cure. Let me read that last part again. Against our deep creature sickness stands God's infinite ability to cure. This sickness and this darkness that we feel and that we wrestle with, all it needs is God's light to shine so much brighter on us. What a good and beautiful God we have who will save us again. He has come and he will come again and he will never leave us or forsake us. So to close, just one more story, one more thing that I love about Christmas time is very specifically Christmas lights. I don't know what it is about Christmas lights, but they bring so much joy to me. I love driving through neighborhoods. I love seeing the Christmas lights that people put on houses. I love when people just go all out or the videos of people where they have the music that's timed with the lights. That's so cool. <laughs> I have much respect for it. And I very much love lights in Garland and lights on trees. 
I think there's something about just the, this like ambiance that it brings. There's just like warmth to it. Like if there was no wreaths or Christmas trees, it would be beautiful in here. But every year I forget that Valley does, or I should say Calvary Baptist puts all these Christmas decorations up. And when I walk in the Sunday after it's been decorated, I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot that there's lights everywhere. And it is so beautiful. And so in thinking about these lights, I think that they are a very wonderful representation of this idea of light and darkness. That even in the darkest of room, a Christmas light's always gonna shine. And that even in the darkness, when we kind of just feel it, that tension, the feeling of December, the end of the year, the weight, almost the weight of the year is just kind of weighing heavy on us. And we know that the birth of Jesus is coming. And then I just see the Christmas lights. And it's just this like beacon of reminder that there is hope. There is hope in the light. And it allows me to just take a deep breath. And I can just look at the pretty Christmas lights. It, it doesn't need anything from me. I don't need to do anything. I can just look at the pretty Christmas lights and I can just ponder how beautiful they are. And so what we're going to do is we're going to turn off the lights. So that's coming right now. And we're actually going to spend the rest of tonight, we're going to spend some time in prayer and then we're going to go into worship. We're going to leave the lights off. And what I want you to do is close your eyes right now and we're just going to ponder the Christmas lights. <laughs> but uh, oh, truly, obviously what I mean by that is pondering the goodness of what these Christmas lights represent, which is hope of Jesus. You know, they represent walking in the light. So even as we're in this room, in the darkness, we can see the light. We can see the Christmas trees. We can see that they represent hope, even in our circumstances. We can see that they represent walking away from something that maybe is hurting us or causing us pain we just walk towards the presence of the Lord. So I just have a couple of questions for you just to ponder and pray just between you and the Lord. The first question is, what does the hope of the light mean to you? The next question is, um, or just something to ponder here is, confess to the Lord the ways in which you have walked in darkness. That could be today, this week, or this month, or maybe a little longer than that. So confess to the Lord which ways you have walked in darkness, knowing that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins.
And then finally, just ask the Lord this week how you can walk in the light. Father, we are so grateful for your goodness and for your grace. We most certainly do not deserve it, so we come before you with the brokenness that we hold, the stress, the tight shoulders, the, sometimes the weight of the world it feels like. Lord, we just bring it to you tonight. We completely lay it at your feet. We take off our heavy yoke and we pick up your yoke, which is light and easy. So Lord, as we sift through the darkness of our world, I ask that we can just be beacons of light. And that as we experience light, Lord, that light shines so brightly to this world, to everyone we come in contact with, our family members, our spouses, our kids, our coworkers, whatever it is, Father, may the light just shine so brightly because you are the light of the world and that is the best news. Lord, we're so grateful for what you've done for us. So tonight I ask that as we worship through song, that the grace that has been poured out onto our hearts turns straight into praise. Father, that we can't help but thank you and your good name for what you've done for us because you deserve all of the glory that we could ever possibly give you. And even when our words fall short, when our praises fall short, when our thankfulness falls short, Lord, we know that you are still so good and you still receive the glory. So be with us as we are challenged on how to walk in the light. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen. <laughs>